Welcome to Seniors 94, everyone. Uh, my name is Lance. I'm with my longtime high school buddy, Matt. I want to say at the outset, working with Matt can be difficult. He is not disciplined. He thinks he's working a stage mic, so he's really close to the mic, really far from the mic. He's licking the mic. He's bobbing up and down over the top of his mic. It's a real problem. It makes it hard for me to edit. Oh, did I say that I do all the editing and Matt just shows up and makes a few jokes? A lot of them are throwaway jokes, but uh, it, it is what it is. And it's good to be back with high school friends. And uh, this is Seniors 94. Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity, Lance. I appreciate you calling me up and asking me to bring some credibility to the show. This is interesting, kind of groundbreaking, being the first person that's not allowed to move, <laughs> breathe, or change volumes when I speak. It's very challenging, and I, and I respect that. So I, I appreciate the opportunity you're giving me to be monotone, but then also put emotion into uh, essentially a self-help show. And I mean self-help show, like I'm literally on here to help myself, not for like someone else to come cry about their, their problems. That's pretty much how you roll, Matt. But I would say, folks, all kidding aside, Matt is a former comedian. I'm a former musician. We're hoping to bring some of that creativity to the show. You should laugh a little bit. And we do want to normalize behaviors for middle-aged men, uh, normal emotions that men have that they often don't talk about. This is what this show is about. And I ultimately want to make my family as uncomfortable as possible. I want to push it so far that they want to get a name change. I hope you feel the same, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for like pl plastic surgery where they're literally changing their appearances to escape the reality of their dad and their husband and their sons and their brother's podcast. That, that will be a day where you and I look at each other and go, win. We just won. One of our kids or one of our, you know, a parent walks in the house and they literally have a different nose because they couldn't deal with seniors 94 and the in the press that was brought to their family i agree with you on that yeah that, that'd be a freaking win that's a goal yeah that's a win so welcome to seniors 94 everyone matt do you need to get the last word in like usual <laughs> i would get my balls cut off for uh for moving so i'm gonna just leave it at that support for seniors 94 comes from shame on you financial Shame on You Financial is a financial advisory firm specializing in AI-driven behavioral modification. We support clients in making healthy financial choices. SOI delivers proprietary derogatory statements to our clients when they're most vulnerable to poor financial decision making. 20 years of behavioral finance research meets next-gen AI learning models to deliver exceptional financial advice. Select from an option to receive text, voice, or email messages from a list of scientifically backed derogatory statements such as an RV, really dickhead, eating out again, tubby, okay, get the hair highlights, but you're still a four at best. Don't book that flight. Not a single European wants your dumpy ass in their country. You've got all that nose hair. A luxury SUV changes nothing for you. You can trust Shame On You Financial to keep your financial life in check. Visit SOI.com to schedule a free consultation. Hey, SOI Financial seems like a pretty good idea to me. On this week's show, The Middle-Aged Man News and Trends, we talk about erectile dysfunction, 
male life expectancy, and weight loss drugs. And then join us in the men's room where Matt and I explore our own personal career malaise. And then stick around for our open mic segment. You don't want to miss it. It's the middle-aged man, news and trends. Our top story comes from U.S. News via Health Day reporter Denise Mann. Erection problems are bad for your memory. ED has been tied to a higher risk of diabetes, high blood pressure, and heart disease. If that wasn't enough, new research suggests your erection problems in middle age increase your chances of having memory problems later in life. ED can be an early warning sign of more serious health issues. Men are encouraged to see their doctor when they first notice issues achieving or maintaining an erection. Matt, how do you feel about your erection these days? Uh, dude, it is, uh, it, the, when I get an erection, it's a sad, lonely situation right now, my friend. Very lonely. It's like those old Western films where there's like tumbleweed blowing around. <laughs> it's, it's like a ghost town down there. Just one man army by himself with, with nowhere to hide, I would say. Here's my take on, on this ED, because last time I was in the U.S., you were inundated with commercials for solving ED. Uh, and maybe there's physical problems related to that. But I think there's just been a general attack on on horniness and being attracted to somebody and that it's OK to be horny. I, I look at old movies and like and, and you look at what the workplace was. They always hired a hot secretary. And I don't think it's because necessarily the boss used to be a chauvinistic asshole. I think it's because they're doing some sort of service for their male employees so that when they went home. They could get hard and deliver the goods. I think keeping attractive women around you probably leads to to better erections. I think just uh, society, there is definitely a shift that's happening right now. There is definitely something under attack, and that is uh, horniness. Interesting perspective, Matt. I wonder what the Me Too movement would have to say about that. Just sprinkle hot chicks around the workplace to solve ED. I think that might fly. I hear the cries now. Me too. Me too. I also think you're a pig. Moving on. Our next story comes from the Washington Post, Tara Parker Pope and Caitlin Gilbert. Men are at higher risk for premature death. Across our lifespan, the risk of death is higher for boys and men than girls and women. The longevity gap between men and women is growing. It is now 5.9 years. Men have a higher risk of death from diabetes, cancer, suicide, and motor vehicle crash. 92% of motorcycle deaths are men. Explaining the growing longevity gap is not fully understood. A few compelling hypotheses include male mammals have a higher levels of testosterone, which weaken immune response. Cultural biases across the world lead men to hide their feelings and avoid doctor visits. And research for men's health issues isn't exactly front and center. Health systems and legislators don't want to be seen stealing money from women's and gender minority research. Matt, everywhere you look these days, men are in decline. Are you worried about premature death? I actually think when you look at all the, the morbid information about our lives, we have jobs that we don't like and we can't get hard. and We don't have erections. It might be a higher powers way of just saying, all right, buddy, you gave it your all. Come with me now. I'm giving you an early release because your life sucks. Maybe that's that's the way it is. And our next story comes from CNBC, Barbara Collins. GLP-1 drugs 
are in the house. GLP-1 drugs, glucagon, like peptides, activate GLP-1 receptors in the pancreas to produce more insulin in the body. A side benefit of these drugs is they also make people feel fuller for longer. And now celebrities and wealthy people are taking branded GLP-1s with Govi and Ozempic to shed pounds quick. As these drugs get marketed for weight management, it's no surprise there's a nationwide shortage for both. Who else uses GLP-1s? Yes, sir, people with type 2 diabetes. But some optimistic medical scientists hope we can use these drugs preventively to lower America's 42% obesity rate, thereby reducing cases of type 2 diabetes. Matt, what do you think about this trend for weight loss? I think it's great. I think we've all lost hope. We've lost hope that the old, old uh, easy formula of move and eat less that's not coming back, right? Like that will never come back. Who am I? It's not 1985. Unless I had a DeLorean, I could go back to a time when eating less and movement were all part of everyday life. It ain't happening. So bring on the drugs. All right, Matt. Thanks for joining me in the men's room. It's time to relieve ourselves. <laughs> what do you think of that tagline? I think we probably need to change the tagline. I'm not sure. Dude, um, I I was just thinking I, I'm I'm down with the men's room. Like I, I, I kinda like it. But the relieving yourself. I mean that part is a little if you're gonna do relieve yourself, then we then we shouldn't do all the shit about showing our dicks and the stalls. I just think saying relieve yourself is good enough. Right. But you can't pile on with it after that. Well, you just did. When? You just said the word dick. In the in this me in this thing? <laughs> you just said dick. No, I'm saying in the episode. So when you when you first did it and you, were you had your grandpa thing about seeing each other's dicks and I was talking about the stall. If you keep doing stuff like that, then the relieve yourself gets a little redundant. Right. But if right. it's just. The idea to say "come relieve yourself" is in the men's room is is really funny and not too. It's very subtle, so I think it's okay. okay. All right, it, but All right. When, but I can't. When you would go, Matt, go whatever. Let's go relieve ourselves. I just need to shut up. That's, that's all it is. I can't be like, take a fucking shit dump. Creative. <laughs> well, it's possible I'll leave this whole banter in it. I might leave it all in. Folks, we want to have a conversation about our own career malaise. Again, at Seniors 94, we want to normalize middle-aged man feelings. Uh, not because we're pussies, but just because it feels good. And Matt, talk to me about this culture of work and what leads to such dissatisfaction at work. Dude, I'm so sorry. I wasn't really paying attention there. I, on my work computer, I just got an email that I missed the training for record keeping SOP SPC 0008. I missed the deadline that's actually pay affecting. Uh, so if you could cue that up for me again, Lance, that would be very appreciative. You're asking what I don't like about corporate America or... Folks, if I have to deal with these throwaway jokes anymore... Oh my God. All right. Seriously. Culture of work. Tell me, why are you so chronically dissatisfied, Matt? The more I think about it, I, I definitely think most of the blame should be placed on myself. 
it's not corporate America. It's not all career pressure and all this stuff. It's just me uh, not having the courage to fought the, uh, being so worried about money and at the same time not valuing material things and having that conflict has, has just frozen me and kept me in the, in the rat race of corporate America. I'm not getting how that keeps you in the rat race. Well, as I grow older, I just, I realize I, I get almost no value out of material things, better car, better house. I value stuff like being able to travel, going to see my parents, which takes money. But I guess when I sit there and go, why am I working? And, and the answer might be, well, to improve my life, to have a better house or better car, all this stuff. It only makes me less passionate about what I'm doing at work. And so I don't even have that reason. I'm sure some people can justify being on this corporate corporate trajectory by saying, well, my life is better for my family because we have this and that. We're able to do this and that. I don't I don't I can't even justify that right now. Okay. So I think I think I get it. I think I get it. So you're disillusioned with this pathway that's created for accumulating material goods. It's it's no longer worthwhile to you. So we all we all sort of set ourselves up in a career to achieve a few basic things, right? We want to get the house. We want to get a relationship that works, have some kids that get all the stuff that have the privilege that perhaps we didn't have, or at least maybe we're matching the privilege that we grew up with. And that all seems to make sense. I think it's interesting because I, I honestly feel a little bit the same way. You get to a certain age and that just doesn't seem to make sense anymore. It seems like you're suffering in a job to maintain a lifestyle you no longer want. Yeah. It's hard to communicate that to people, your kids or your wife, because you're, you sound like you're depriving them of opportunity. But when we say opportunity, what we mean is financial success. You're, you're going to down the road, deprive them of financial success or some sort of comfort. The financial stuff, maybe it's not just I'm going to buy my kid a Ferrari one day, but if I don't have the money to get them through university, I'm failing them. Like, how do you feel about that? That's, oh, that's where it, I, my issue it, it's endless pressure. It's uh, at times um, suffocating. And it becomes a way, I think, that a lot of guys define themselves. Like, how much money did I make as, as a measure of, of success? And obviously, we see so many mental health issues surrounding men these days that it's clear that that alone as a definition of success is not working. Uh, but yeah, I feel that pressure. Um, and I have. I voluntarily left my job here in June to pursue some creative stuff, do some more coaching, and almost immediately was confronted with some financial issues and stuff related to kids making mistakes with cars and things like that, and, and was questioning whether I should just run back to work, even though I planned. I mean, I planned really well. So you, you, you planned on essentially leaving a, uh, I don't know if it's called a corporate job, but let's say like a white collar job. And you plan, when you say you plan, you mean you saved up money, literally, right? That's, that's like what we're talking about here. So do you feel like you became like more of a slave to money to, to get away from money? Is, is that like the, the process? Yeah, just a little background. I got into this fire movement, financial independence, retire early sometime in 2012. And uh, yeah, that uh, maybe it was 2014. I'm not sure. But essentially, we just socked away a lot more money than most people in America. And 
that allowed us to, to take care of retirement in the future and consider leaving work early. But I will say, and I think this is where you're going, it did create some chronic dissatisfaction because I started to view the corporate world as just a paycheck and it created some serious misery. Probably the last five years before I left here in June, it was just me in my head, counting on a mission, right? On a mission, not connecting with anything that was positive in the workplace, but just losing it about every dime. Uh, And yeah, it was total misery. (laughs) You think it was misery for people around you or more like internally? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I would consider myself somewhat savvy in, in terms of emotional intelligence, but I certainly wasn't engaged, but it was m- internal misery. Because what happens when you begin to maintain or get too maniacal about any one goal? You take all the spontaneity out of life, which is fun, and you disengage to a degree. And uh, don't try things because you're just wanting to reach this one specific goal. It's a terrible way to live. I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend this financial independence movement. I would recommend it, but I'd recommend uh, there being a balance to how you pursue it. I like the I like the fact that it sounds like you joined the cult. Is is <laughs> actually how how ridiculous it is for someone in our society to leave to want to leave work early. You're like. Well, Lance joined the cult. He joined the fire movement. David Koresh is his leader, and now he's <laughs> going to retire when he's 50. It's great. It's pretty mainstream now, though. It was no, cultish, I know, I know. I'd say in 2012, but yeah. It's mainstream as a, a pipe dream for a lot of people, but I think people now are... I mean, you, there's a trend, right? It's like we're going in two paths because you see all the hyper-competitiveness of how you raise your family and how you get them into colleges and, and all that is is financial success. But then you see this thing with like tiny houses and people starting to live less materialistic. It's like we're going in two directions. You're actually sitting, you're straddling both sides almost, right? Like Mentally, yes. Um, but it, it it does often go back. Your your relationship to work goes back to your relationship to money. And so what what is it for you? I mean, when you think of money, why are you why are you working? Yeah, I, I have to say, like, I because I know this segment is so important to millions of people. I wish I had like a formulated answer of why I'm working. Like I'm literally, I, I don't know, right? I mean, I definitely have a fear. Like I have a daughter who's 12 that she's gonna have a wedding, she's gonna go to school and her school is going to France in like three years, I need to pay for it. And I don't wanna deprive her of any of that stuff. So I could use the same old cliche answer while I'm working for my kids. Right. And I think for a lot of people that that can justify it that way, it's probably very relieving and great because then then anything you do is it's okay because you could you could actually be a criminal. I mean, people say that like you could be a narco and it's for my family. I'm trying to pull my family out of poverty. Right. It's like you could justify anything by saying I'm doing it for my kids. But I think that's where I'm at. You probably and legitimately we all say, yeah, I'm doing it for my family. I'm working for my family, but it goes back to that disillusionment of what a good life is these days. It has gotten out of control. What privilege we'll give our kids. Uh, And you see it everywhere. I mean, this idea that, oh my gosh, I don't want my daughter to not go to France. That would be heartbreaking. She she didn't get to go to France. Poor thing. I know. 
and the houses we all have, like, and not everybody, folks that have corporate jobs often pursue these four bedroom homes, these ridiculous things that have the built-in barbecue in the back and just absurd stuff that nobody really ultimately needs. But yet here we are. You're referring to tiny houses again. Another throwaway joke, folks. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I spoke again, audience. (laughs) Oh, gosh. No, no. Yeah, I know. But like, well, here's the thing, though. I I have family members have done very well for themselves. And I, much as I don't really care, like like my brother has has a place in Vail. It's nice to go to his condo in Vail. And, And that only came through financial gain and work. But... If I didn't have the opportunity to go stay at his place for free in bail, would my life suck? I I don't know. Support for this week's men's room segment comes from DSDH Systems. Come on, Shannon. Let's stop at that gas station. I need to poop. Okay, but I don't need to go. I've already pooped in my car. What, Shannon? It's not what you think, Tina. I've got a driver's seat dump hole. You have what? A driver's seat dump hole. My DSDH system has a retractable driver's seat cushion that I can automatically open when I need to poop. There are even privacy screens that extend from the sides of my seat to protect my privacy. I'm a busy mom, Tina. Why should I hassle with gas station and grocery store bathrooms? They're never clean. My driver's side dump hole is convenient and sanitary. But what about the smell, Shannon? Won't your car stink? That's what I wondered, and my husband was very skeptical. But he put his nose right up to the retractable seat cushion after our sales rep pooped in it, and my husband couldn't smell a thing. He was sold right then and there. And you can choose from two EPA-approved waste management models to dispose of the waste. The Maggot Biome model uses live maggots to fester in and consume your feces. Once the maggots turn into flies, they're released into the environment from a small sensor door at the bottom of your DSDH system. If the flies don't mate quickly enough and lay enough eggs, you may need to add more maggots each month. The second model, the accelerator dehydration model, rapidly dehydrates your poop into dust and releases the dust into the air in time-sequenced microdoses while adhering to strict EPA regulations. Both systems can handle up to seven bowel movements per week. Wow, Shannon, that's crazy. And get this, Tina, DSDH systems are not expensive custom installs. All the major car brands are installing the DSDH across their dealership networks at the time of vehicle purchase. The The driver's seat dump hole. Now you can do your business on the go. I think for some people, it just comes down to integrity. Well, because you just go, why are you doing? Why do you care? Like I've asked coworkers, why do you care? Why are you doing this? Mm. And it's like, what's our job? It's a matter of integrity. So that, and I don't, I don't know if I if I went back to and talked to all my former former coworkers that ever go, "Oh, Matt, you act without integrity." But I think it probably shows a little bit. Like like if you can look at it that way, I think that's a good viewpoint. And so I think I got to a point where that's the only thing that got me by, the integrity of supporting my teammates, right? The the integrity of like, well, 
I am getting paid to do this and trying, trying to balance. Cause everyone gets into like, well, I, I'm not getting paid enough to do this. So screw this. Like I hear you hear that all the time. I don't get paid enough for this. Right. That's in the Western world. Cause I don't think the people that are mining uh, the elements that go into car batteries in Africa or, or people mining diamonds for a dollar a year, whatever it is, are like, <laughs> I don't get paid enough to mine these yeah. diamonds. I don't, I don't think that's that's happening, you know? Our people here in Costa Rica across the street is a coffee plantation. People are starting to pick coffee. You know, we have the freedom to say these stupid things and feel feel bad about our lot and... For a lot of people, the good people out there that they look past that and they just do it strictly because of integrity. And that's a good place to be. I wish I could right? do it. I just question so much. It. And I worked for an outstanding company, to be honest, probably one of the better places to work in all of healthcare with brilliant people, physicians who are passionate about their work, a lot of smart folks in tech. And that's not what you told me at the bar last <laughs> night, Lance. Yeah. Oh. That's not what you said. <laughs> Another throwaway. <laughs> yeah. Worked with uh, smart folks and I still found a way to complain. I still found a way to say this, this sucks. This doesn't make sense. And so it's clearly me. Uh, you know, I'm the dickhead here. Although I, I did, I don't know if it was me who pulled this out of a lot of people, but I think there is chronic dissatisfaction across the workplace. Something is clearly missing. My theory is we're over-optimizing a lot of what humans do. Like, I feel like there's like people don't have passion for their jobs because it's compartmentalized to the point where you don't even know what you're doing because you're, you're doing a very specific thing. So you don't see how it fits the overall benefit of society. Is it when you say, uh, optimizing jobs. Is that what you're talking about? Or is it- That's exactly what I mean. It's, it's the overly defining roles that human beings do. And because as humans, we crave a certain level of variability of spontaneity. And now you've whittled me down into this, to your point a, a very compartmentalized role with very specific tasks that, that need to be done. And, and only these C-suite folks get experience, this variable experience, and they're overpaid. I don't know if you've seen the CEO salaries these days, the multiples of the working plebs. They're making like 3,000 times in some companies. So, I mean, that that creates some frustration for the over-optimized employee. I do disagree a little bit about just throwing all CEOs under the bus, especially now because if the company takes a hit now, that, that person person is taking a hit. But putting their name on 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 things that they probably don't even have time to fully review is it, the risk for them is why they get paid. The corporate world is why most people in the U.S. are, are having comfortable lives, right? It's just that we didn't fit into it well. So to have, if you're going to have the corporate structure, you have to have somebody at the top. That's just the way leadership works. So, and then if you're going to have somebody at the top, they're going to make more than the second person who makes more than the third person who makes. Uh, makes more than receiving clerk specialist three who's ready to slit his wrist because he has no passion for receiving boxes every day on the dock, whatever like that. So are you enamored with the American CEO that makes 3,000, 4,000 times the average person? Do you respect that role? And I'm, this isn't, I'm not you know, trying to throw an arrow at capitalism here. There's such a movement now is all CEOs suck. And, you know, I don't agree with that. Now, I would, I, this is a cop out, but you have to take it on a case by case basis. 
I mean, I came from a startup environment where we're a smaller company where a CEO, I saw good, good leadership. I saw really bad leadership and they had, they were able to influence the company. Now, if you're the CEO of Apple, I, you know, now you're basically just a public figurehead. So your job is like as a celebrity, I'm not enamored with the CEO of Apple, but I don't, I don't think that it's right to just discount what they do and they should get paid less money because somebody else at Apple makes less money. Well, folks, you heard it here first. I am going to say CEOs should make a heck of a lot less. But why? Why They play a role. But why do you say that? Well, I think they play a role. And in large part, some of these folks at the C-suite, their only advantage is the information asymmetry. So they've got more information than the folks underneath them. So it creates a power dynamic. Uh, Some of them, sure, are fantastically talented, brilliant leaders. Um, I respect... Uh, many of them, but they still shouldn't get paid that much. Uh, I I would, and I don't want to sound overly liberal, but like income equality is going to be a problem. It already is, but it's going to be a significant problem in every country in the world. Okay, Fidel, let's light up the cigars. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think I agree with you. Like the the pay disparation might be kind of ridiculous, but I, I do think there should be somewhat of a ladder. But don't you think it leads to cynicism? I think among the employee base, it's like, oh, God, look at this prick. And and here I am doing this. Uh, I've got a, a suite of managers who are making up jobs. They're filling their vertical, to use a bullshit corporate term, of people because the more people that report to them, the, the more prestigious their role is. It There is a game. We are playing a game in those large organization structures that I think a lot of people are dissatisfied with. And CEO pay is a component. It's probably not the biggest component, um, but it's not something I appreciated and enjoyed and was one of the reasons I wanted to get out of that environment and do a podcast and talk about it. <laughs> huh? So, all right. Our first sponsors <laughs> are companies that want to nationalize all, all resources. Brought to you by Lance, left wing Lance. No, I. But the, the problem is, you're like, would you would you say there's some guy who's uh, I, whatever you call this CEO. The problem is, some of those dudes are just annoying, arrogant assholes, right? So oh, for that, sure, a lot of a lot of. I think what we're what we're kind of saying is, the person that does that a lot of times they're encouraged to be these unlikable pricks, and so this the system is set up to 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 advance these people i mean i'm being hypocritical because i've sat in jobs being like this this person at this vp or c level is useless you know and just so and Mm. why are they getting paid i've sat there and bitched about the same thing but i'm usually i I don't know if this is good or bad but i put i'm putting the blame on that individual why are they in that position because usually they deserved it you know i'm really getting tired of these guys i don't like their points of view i don't like their voices I hope this is the end. Why didn't you climb? Oh fuck! I mean, I have reasons why I decided not to climb. Uh, I, I made it clear that I was doing other stuff. I let the world know that I was very passionate about stand-up comedy, and then at some point in time, I met, let the world know that I was passionate about getting to Costa Rica, and and finding a way to work here. And when you start to make those decisions, like my outside life is more important than my inside life. It, it becomes apparent that you're probably not the man for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't put on, I just knew I couldn't put on the face or what do what was required. 
I probably couldn't have lived up to my own standards in terms of how you had to show up, how you had to treat people. And so I was just like, eh, this isn't going to be for me, which I think is a, a bit of a pussy's way out. And, and I probably did lead me to like clamor for this financial independence stuff because I was like, no, nope, I'm, I'm not going to be able to handle this. Did you ever have the, did you ever have the opportunity or the, the uh, hard decision to make like Lance, we want you for this position or did you, was it so clear that you weren't into that? You never really had to make that, that decision or turn down something that seemed to be financially lucrative or career wise lucrative, lucrative. Yeah. Earlier on I did in it and uh, my leader at the time was like, uh, are you sure you want to go this direction? You seem to care about people more than, you know, hammering down to get all the work done. And IT is really deadline deliverable focused, as I'm sure everybody knows. And I just, uh, I questioned it and I was like, I don't think I do. So I tried to move more as a, a consultant who could come into a room and sound funny and cool and say a few uh, things and make a couple good recommendations and get out of there. Uh, so it made sense for me. But yeah, no, there was a time. And I think anybody who sticks around in the corporate world will ultimately get some opportunity for management or leadership. People die. It's a fact. Yes. <laughs> there you go. People die. But it is a it is a playing the game and I, and I didn't enjoy it. And I, and I don't, it's not like I praise myself for this. I used to think I was like unique, like a special person. Look at me opting out of this BS. Look at me. I uh, this, I don't buy into this. Look at you fools. And I, I no longer think that way because I did make myself miserable in the workplace for a long time. It made my wife a little miserable coming home like, oh, what, when am I going to leave this job? This is enough of this. Oh, and she's like, why don't you look for a new job? Oh, and nothing will ever satisfy. There's nothing in this world of corporate world that will ever satisfy. I got lost in myself, in my head. And uh, in my defense, there is a lack of creativity in a lot of corporate settings. But nevertheless, I am the idiot. And I know you're the idiot, too. Tell me more about how you're the idiot. Yeah, I would like to get in that a little bit if we have time. Lord knows we have time because we are unemployed. Uh, here's the thing. I Like you just said, we're the idiots. Um, I, ha I mean, I have to say I had so much support from so many good people that allowed me to travel to do stand-up or allowed me to actually move to Costa Rica. I have essentially an American salary, more or less. I could finish a project and go surf like any day of the week. I might not even finish the damn project. I could go surf and then <laughs> finish the thing. And everyone was so supportive. And for and there I was like, oh, why me? Why am I in this corporate hell where people were like in, you know, St. Louis or, or other friends were like, what are you crying about? And it's so and it's even more intense for me now because I live in Central America and you, you, you're very close to poverty all the time. And you see these people that are so happy that have nothing. And here I am crying that that I'm not being fulfilled and I have and I have it all. And, uh, and I, I don't have it all, but I, you know, I have such flexibility and I have encouragement from people and people allowing me to do what I want and not, I didn't have to play a game where like, oh, Matt's not going up. So we, so we, we're going to fire him. It was like, yeah, Matt is what he is. He's a valuable asset to the team. Let's let him be Matt. Like everybody let me be Matt. 
and I still cried. And so it, it's not that I'm better than anyone. Like the guy that can get through work and sit there and like do his spreadsheets and, and have his advice and be happy about it and go home. God bless that guy. You know, good for him for being able to do it and not being such a pathetic loser like me. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Open Mic, where each week one lucky listener might mildly find the jokes entertaining and funny. Here we go. This one's called Job Posting. So as you may or may not know, I found out that I will need to be looking for a new job at the end of the year. So I've been perusing the job posting sites and I came across one uh, that actually said, do you want to work in a fast paced and exciting environment where no two days are alike? First of all, uh, that actually sounds like an advertisement for dating someone with bipolar disorder. It's like, do you want to fear for your life one day, then get swept up into the romantic idea of everlasting love the next? Then become a member of Bipolar Russian Brides and start your roller coaster ride today. And if that's not enough, check out our exclusive datingmathaddicts.com site where we can guarantee you that no two days will be the same. Mouthful of teeth one day, no teeth, and all your shit gone the next. Thrive in your new fast-paced and fun environment. But, uh, you know, job posting site. This is, after all, uh, most likely being read by people lazily looking for work for one reason or another. In my opinion, this is the classic case of know your audience, people. Do you want to work in a fast-paced and exciting environment where no two days are alike? Uh, no. Not really. If I did, I probably wouldn't be in a position where I needed to look for a job. Now would I? Look, I lost my keys six times today and I haven't left my house yet. 30 for 30, you've heard of it, right? I'm not talking about the ESPN show. I'm talking about how many days in a row I've worn sweatpants. The Top Ramen Company just sent me a thank you card for heaven's sakes. At night, when I'm reading the results of my scratch-off tickets, or as I like to call them, my Hail Mary cards, I'm reading them by the glow of the check engine light in my car, people. So in summary, uh, let's do this. Let's hire the kid already. And can we go ahead and bump me up to four weeks vacay right out the get-go, boo. I said, can we get a bump to four weeks vacay, boo. Y'all got Pringles up in that snack room. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate you listening to that. If you are interested in either helping me punch up some of the jokes that you've heard in the open mic or you have your own creative outlet uh, that you'd like to offer us and actually do the segment yourself, please contact us. I just want to say, by the way, uh, we are having a hard time, and actually it could be anything, right? You don't just have to do stand-up comedy. We are having a hard time figuring out how juggling will play on the podcast. Uh, we have not figured that out yet. Also, just want to say to all the mimes that have actually reached out to us, again, thank you so much, but again, the creative outlet has to play as an audio segment. Thank you. 
Seniors 94 is written and produced by Matt and Lance. Jingles, commercials, and editing by Lance. Offensive comedy written by Matt. Shame on you financial commercial music. Seth makes sound. DSDH commercial car sounds. Knox sound and Priest Jensen. Open mic laugh tracks. Salone Gracie, Howard V, and UNFA. Thank you for listening.